this won't be, I don't think, too surprising, but what I find is that there is a very strong craving for meaningful, authentic connection and friendship, yet people don't have, young, young people don't have, just like a lot of older people, right, don't have the discipline to be able to walk away from the noise and, and the allure and the attraction of social media. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's like not wanting to feel left out because while everyone else is on social media, everyone else has a phone at age 16 or 17. So I need to as well. The problem is for a lot of people, it's, it's not a, it's not something they have in moderation. It's either, it's like either it's on the light switch, it's on or it's off. You either don't have it, right? Or you do, and you spend hours and hours and hours of your day and not just your, your time, but your, that then shapes how you think even when you're not on it. I wonder if someone's saying this about me right now. I wonder if this is going on. Hey everyone, this is Cal, and I just want to thank you for joining us here today. At Intentional Leader, we help leaders take the guesswork out of self-leadership, accelerate their personal growth, fight a reactionary lifestyle, and achieve their God-given potential at home, at work, and in their communities. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let's go make it count. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of the Intentional Leader podcast. I'm Cal, and I'll be your host for today. I'm a little sleepy today. We just welcomed a brand new baby into the Walters household last week, so we're not getting a lot of sleep. I forgot how little sleep you get in those first few weeks of a baby's life, but we're excited, and uh, I'm also really excited to bring you today's guest, a return guest and friend, Mike Irwin, and I will say this has to be one of my favorite conversations that I've had so far on the podcast. It was just really special, and I hope that that comes across to you as you listen. Now, before we jump in, I want to let you know that we have been combing through some of our best interviews over the past few years, and we've consolidated some of our best takeaways from those interviews into a free PDF that outlines 12 key ideas that will make you a better leader in 2022. I'm going to give you this. It's totally free. Just go to my website, calwalters.me, and get these 12 ideas that we think you will benefit from today. We've got people like Juliet Font, Carrie Newhoff, some of our interviews that we've taken those hour-long interviews and distilled them into a couple critical ideas that you can go bite-sized pieces. You can take one at a time for the next 12 days and enjoy those. Go check it out at our website, calwalters.me, 12 ideas that'll make you a better leader in 2022. So a little bit about Mike Irwin, our guest for today, before we dive in. Mike is the founder and executive director of Team Red, White, and Blue. He's also the co-founder and chairman of the Positivity Project, the founder and CEO of the Character and Leadership Center, and the co-founder and chairman of Father Capadano High School. I laugh because it's just hard to believe that one man who's not even, I don't think, barely cracked 40, uh, could accomplish all of that. He's also the author of two books, Lead Yourself First, which is a book about inspiring leadership through solitude, and now his new book, Leadership is a Relationship, How to Put People First in a Digital World. As I said, this was a special conversation for me. I, I really appreciate Mike already, but I think his work just really deeply resonates with me at the soul level. And you'll hear about that as we talk today. We also talk about some themes from 2021 for him, his reasons for moving his family to a farm where they now take care of tons of animals, how technology is changing us and our relationships. We dig into some of his insights about how it's also affecting the next generation and stick around to the end for some wonderful stories that Mike shares about his unique relationship with the great Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great. 
This episode is brought to you by the people at Higher Echelon Incorporated. Higher Echelon is a leadership development and organizational performance consulting firm providing human capital and technology services to help optimize your performance. If you want to learn more about Higher Echelon can help your team in this rapidly changing complex and often ambiguous world that we live in. They can help you by developing resilient, adaptive leaders. They can help you modernize your systems and your processes and help you with your technology solutions. Just go visit higherechelon.com to connect with the amazing team over at Higher Echelon. And if you enjoy this episode, please do us a favor by sharing it with a friend or someone else in your network. Again, a special thank you to all of you that continue to support us. Our goal is to give you value. And if you want to, if you get value and want to help us, as we try to grow and reach more leaders. One of the ways you can do that is just by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcast. That's just a way that allows us to get more exposure and reach more leaders. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, I really appreciate everyone that has done that. Uh, thank you so much. And without any further ado, please enjoy this conversation with the inspiring Mike Irwin. All right, Mike Irwin, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast, man. So pumped to have you here. Yeah, re- repeat. I love uh, I love the chance to be able to circle back. It means the first one must have been good enough that uh, you're welcome back for a second conversation. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was looking at when we actually had that conversation. So it was end of August 2020. And yeah. uh, a lot has happened in 2021. Yes. So uh, I'm excited to dive into that. Plus, you know, it's been neat to live close to you in close proximity and be able to have some some coffee conversations, breakfast yeah. conversations. And uh, one thing I've learned about those conversations that we have is we never have enough time, or at least I don't always never. feel like, uh, you know, we're don't have enough time. So I want to get into our conversation, but also a lot of rich content. And uh, yeah. so my first question, Mike, is what have been some themes in your life over the last year or so since we last had you on the podcast? What are some themes that kind of rise to the surface in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, and you know, some of this background, having moved out to 32 acres, um, you know, one of the real big themes that I keep pushing on in my own life, but then also, you know, in conversations with people is this idea of self-reliance. Um, you know, one, I think one of the big things we've certainly learned since, you know, March of 2020 is that, right, the more we rely upon the systems around us, the more vulnerable we are when those systems go down, right? And whether it was the gasoline shortage that happened here in Carolina for a week where like, if you didn't have a full tank of gas, like you weren't going somewhere. Yeah, I remember um, that. You know, <laughs> to like, you know, potential, you know, energy or power grid, we all know it, you know, from that standpoint that if the energy goes down, you know, that kind of stuff that it's, uh, it, we're kind of up the creek, you know, without a paddle. So anyways, that's a huge theme for me in my personal, but also even like in leadership life, as I have conversations with people getting ready to leave the military, um, you know, I say, look, one of the biggest things I can suggest is there's, you know, there's a great book written in like the 1950s called Five Acres and Independence. And it talks about just like how much, if you were to get a land, a, a plot of five acres, you can do from learning how to grow things from the ground, you know, to raising animals, to, um, you know, cutting down your own firewood, right? Uh, all those kinds of things. So that's been a real big theme. And there's another great book that I'm, I'm in the process of reading right now called Durable Trades. Hmm. And Durable Trades uh, is a really uh, an interesting and fascinating look at uh, jobs throughout like the dawn, you know, since the you know, dawn of civilization and what ones have been durable, right? And what ones have come and gone. And so both of these ideas really point to can you grow things from the land and can you fix things and build things, you know, mm-hmm. and 
that's been a huge theme for me has become getting better at being more self-reliant, right? So we had a chicken and, and turkeys, we raise our own, you know, some of our own animals here on the farm. And that was super uncomfortable at first. Um, but now, you know, find ourselves doing that, you know, at a higher level, raise bees, greenhouse, growing fruits and vegetables. And there's a lot of failure along the way, but self-reliance is one big theme. And then, you know, the other big theme I would say really is just relationships. Um, I've really spent a lot of time, not just because of the name and the theme of the book, uh, that we really were in the throes of, of writing in 2020 and 2021, but also just in regards to uh, the ongoing you know, impacts of, of COVID um, and how that's shaping and influencing the relationships of the world. So like personal uh, interactions, like, like via Zoom versus in person, you know, the three-dimensional space of a high five, a hug, a fist bump, a coffee, a workout or a run together. Um, you know, and, and I really have tried to be, you know, here we are on the intentional leader podcast, like, but I've really tried to be very intentional uh, about uh, having as many meaningful in-person interactions as I can, because what I see a lot of people, and this really worries me, Cal, I see a lot of people out there kind of gravitating to the path of least resistance, which is go virtual on everything, right? Mm -hmm. oh, let's make it a call. Let's make it a Zoom. Like, well, mm -hmm. no, like, let's come together. It's a board meeting. It's let's come together. It's a really important a strategic planning session that's going to determine the next three years of the organizations. We need to come together. And so those relationships, be they for work, be they for family, friends, you know, really uh, saying like, we've got to make sure that we're being intentional about where we spend that time in person because, uh, and this kind of like parlays into my, you know, this, this final point around a lot's been said about the metaverse, you know, in, in recent mm -hmm. months. And there's a lot of this you know, is the digital world going to become the virtual world going to become more important than the in real life world? And it already is for a lot of people. And, and again, that points to some uh, pretty alarming trends when I look at health and well-being and life satisfaction and fulfillment, uh, you know, for a lot of people. So I think that there's this big question I've got of, you know, how are we going to like as the world is getting the metaverse is getting more and more you know, trying to pull you in to like this virtual world and telling you that's what, you know, that's where success is going to be. That's where your best life is going to be. I'm terrified by the image of someone sitting on their couch with a 3D headset on, you know, you know, feeling quote unquote, like they're at the football game or they're at the concert when they're literally on their couch by themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So these are some heavy themes that I'm, I'm hitting on here, you know, mm -hmm. you know, bat and lead off, uh, you know, <laughs> with your question, but uh, certainly not a softball question. It's a really, introspective one of like, mm. at least for me, like these themes mm -hmm. are not things I think about like in a passing way. I, mm -hmm. I think about them consistently in, mm -hmm. in, in a very strong way. I love your answer on, on a lot of ways, because I think it highlights how someone like you who has spent time writing a book, who spends time reflecting, thinking, having conversations, being intentional, you didn't have to hesitate. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that question until maybe like a minute before we hopped on here, but you immediately had themes and they were thoughtful and you had a critique. And I think that highlights for all of us, the importance of, of living in a thoughtful way of reflecting and thinking, obviously like writing a book, I'm sure is a nice <laughs> forcing mechanism to, to reflect and, and that, that theme of relationships. Um, real quick on the self-reliant theme uh, what have you seen in terms of an impact on your kids? Because you have mm -hmm. many, many, many kids. How many kids exactly? I'm sorry. I yeah, I got five. Yeah, I got five. You got so, five yeah. kids. Yeah, age you live on 11. a farm. Uh, yeah. 
it was that part of the original intent to get on the farm was just this idea of self-reliance and kind of the, yeah. okay. It was, yeah, that and, and work, just work ethic in general. You know, I grew mm-hmm. up, you know, raking leaves, shoveling driveways, mowing lawns, paper boy, you know, where you delivered a paper 364 days of the year. So, um, so that's where I grew up on. And, and like, I just saw those jobs have all been professionalized, you know? And so it's really hard for kids to, to, to be able to do work. So a work was a big part of it, but yeah, uh, this is honestly an area where I, I have been, uh, I'd say I, I did not grow up on land. I did not grow up on a, a, a farm, a working farm, a hobby farm, nothing. Like I grew up <laughs> in the suburbs and, and spent all my time in the army living in the suburbs and, you know, I never, uh, living on renting or owning more than, you know, 0.6 acres of land. And, um, and so a big part of this was that, you know, like of wanting to say, Hey, I, I didn't get these skills growing up. Uh, I mean, my mom had a small side garden. I had no interest in it. She never kind of made me go there and study mm-hmm. and learn, you know, about how things were going. You know, we certainly never raised our own chickens or pigs, you know, um, or had our own egg layers, but you know, it has been, that was, that has been a big part of the plan is being able to, you know, really empower and to teach our children that, that some of these things in life, like you can do these yourself. You don't have to outsource, you know, everything to, you know, to other people um, or to businesses or companies that, you know, becoming uh, capable of doing these things on your own is a very important thing in the future, especially, you know, as we see, you know, uh, a reduction in the workforce. So if you want to have someone like do some Mason work at your house, like here in North Carolina, like you're, you're waiting six to eight weeks, right? Like, so there's a, there's a lot of times, where uh, and then you're you're not even really necessarily in control of the work once it gets it's going as we know anyone who's ever renovated anything there's there's timing overruns and there's cost overruns you know and and so that's been a big part of it for me has been trying to bring this you know to our kids and the final just quick through thread is many ways I gave you an answer to talk about self reliance and relationships you know and in a way that seems kind of contradictory right because self reliance means you can do it on your own right you mm-hmm. you can figure it out in relationships with other people the reality is one of the ways that you get more self reliant is through those relationships. Right, you you have friends who are builders, or friends who know how to process chickens, or whatever it might be. Um, those relationships they actually mentor and guide you to become more self reliant. But you only want to use that self reliance, like really when you need to. A lot of times, you do self reliant things, ironically, in in community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I can imagine. I can just picture. Well, well, let me just say first. I can't imagine how you're able to do this because I see you on social media and it seems like you're traveling all over the way, all over the world. You're with team RWB, you've got the positivity project. Um, but yet you still are, are able to maintain this farm at, at home. And it's just really cool to see that you've, you've created that opportunity, but I could also imagine it's when you're going out and checking on the animals or you're out there mowing the lawn, or I don't know all the things that you yeah. do on a farm. Clearly I didn't yeah. grow up on a farm. I can't yeah. even come up with a couple of things, but yeah. I can imagine that that also creates opportunities for that solitude that you talk about in your first book. But also I can imagine it also creates those moments, those slow moments that create relationships. Oh, absolutely. you're not on your phone. You're not watching a movie. You're literally out there with your hands doing something, building a memory, maybe with your kids. And, uh, I think, man, I think there's just a hunger for that. There is as much as we are spend time on social media, largely, I think for a lot of us because of addiction, uh, and and I include myself in that hundred percent. Uh, it's like we as much as we spend time on it, there's this tension that we long for something else. It's so interesting. And I, 
I, um, so I want to ask you moving on to this idea of, of this new book, uh, yeah. leadership is a relationship. And let me just say up front too, the, the, the original book, lead yourself first about solitude and about leadership, self-leadership. Then you've got this book on leadership is a relationship. And at first blush, it can seem like, oh my gosh, those are such simple concepts. Yes. And I think the more time I spend in leadership and personal growth, I go back to, there's so much beauty in the simplicity, but the simple is not easy. It's often very hard. Um, so I'm curious, what, what, is there a thread in your mind between that first book and, and the, this, this book leadership relationship? Absolutely. Yeah. So first of all, great, great observation. Uh, just touching on that briefly is go back to your original point. Yeah. Lots of time for solitude on a farm. Um, whether it be tractor time, which Jim Collins in the foreword, you remember and lead yourself first wrote about Sam Walton. He, he relied upon that tractor time. But there is, as you've also read in Cal Newport's book, you know, digital minimalism. There's a lot of, um, you know, th- there is so much uh, craving and yearning for working with your hands that it's unbelievable. You know, and like you get out there, and it is, it is the kind of thing that you can either do it on your own in solitude, or you can do it with other people. And even like for our chicken processing, we had seven families come over and be a part of it you know, and like talk about relationship building. Like mm-hmm. that is, that's, an, that, that's not going to play golf. That's, you know, that's not nothing wrong with that. That's not grabbing a dinner and a drink. Mm-hmm. That's like you're processing chickens and turkeys. <laughs> like that's, you know what I mean? Like the stakes mm-hmm. are just higher. Mm-hmm. And so it forges, it sets the conditions to forge strong relationships. Um, so, so on the two books. Um, so first of all, I would put both of them under the umbrella of, and I, I guess I, I kind of ref- like think of myself as like a tech philosopher, Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like that really thinks about like the, you know, you know, philosophizes on how to live the world and especially lead in the world more effectively that is dominated by technology mm-hmm. and that shows no sign of slowing down. As you know, like we're doing this on zoom, like so much of the world has been made more convenient via technology. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in many ways, that's, that's a great thing. You know, just think about like how you used to have to get a cab. You used to like call someone and like arrange a pickup. And then like, what if they got the wrong location? And, you know, now it's an Uber or a Lyft and it's an app and it's like two touches of your button. I mean, the world has gotten massively more convenient because of technology. I think the big question really fundamentally though, is has it gotten better because of technology? You know, in other words, like, like I'm, I think most people feel this way. Like most people are busier now than ever. Like, wait a minute, like you have all these things like that, that make life a lot like more mm-hmm. convenient and you, get, you can get things done 10 times faster because of this. All it has done for so many people is created more opportunities to do more work mm-hmm. and more work and more stuff and have more things hanging over their head. Yeah. Right. So the irony is, is, is should not be lost on anybody that um, just because it's more efficient doesn't necessarily mean that, it, that it's better. But the, but the bridge between the two books is this idea that how we lead ourselves, how we lead others, Right. Uh, in the information age has definitely changed. And, and I don't think that a lot of people have given enough thought or enough reflection or consideration to just how drastically uh, the information age has changed and altered people's life, mm-hmm. um, and especially from a leadership standpoint. And so obviously in the first book, reflection, focus, deep thinking, all those are, are, are you've got to be very deliberate, very intentional if you want to, to do those things in the world well right? Where there is an abundance of stimuli. The new book really highlights a, a similar thread, right? That our relationships, while we have all these technologies to help us stay more connected, et cetera, we know more about people, 
you know, than, than we used to know um, that with all the distractions, like that often prevents so many people from actually being present from the person right in front of them. And I'm not just talking about like in the, in real life space, Cal, I'm talking about like on zooms on team meetings, <laughs> right? The number of people who I will see who like clearly are half paying attention or they're reading an article on ESPN.com or CNN or whatever, you know, and they're not actually paying attention right in a meeting. So, I mean, I, all the time, like in meetings, like I keep my hands up. I'm, I'm almost like, Hey, I'm showing you, like, I'm not down here. Right. You know, you know, answering emails while I'm listening to you talk. Um, but I've, I've had even one-on-one -on -one conversations with people sometimes. So I can tell that they're like basically answering emails. They'll, an they'll ask me a question and then they'll be like, you know, answering an email. Right. So the point is how, how are we present with people? And, and I'm trying in this book, we're trying to really raise the, the message that like, if you're a leader, one of your most important responsibilities, especially in this COVID and if we ever get post COVID kind of world, like people crave connection, they crave relationships. Um, and so again, the bridge there is that when you lead yourself first, you're able to more effectively show up for other people. I love it. I think it's, well, thank you for writing it. Thank you to both, uh, both you and Willis for writing this book. And, uh, it, it's interesting. So one of the themes in my life over this past year has been a continuation of reading your book. So deep work, digital minimalism, your book. I've read all those, all three of those. I think I read in 2020, this book or this year, one of the books I read was, uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark I'm reading Comer. that right now. Are you reading that right now? Oh, <laughs> bro. I, I really want to get, I want to get your take on that once you yeah. finish it. Uh, yeah. And then I, and then I read your book, Leadership is a Relationship. And the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, his thesis is that we are too hurried and busy to be spiritually healthy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this thesis is similar to that also, but it's, we are too distracted. We are too addicted. We are too, uh, you know, thinking that we can multitask to yep. have healthy relationships. healthy relationships, man, you just hit the nail on the head. And I just, it, it, you know, it's almost like, yes, I like intellectually, I assent to that, no doubt, but there's something in my soul that assents to that even more. It's like, it's like, I'm just like, yes, like a big amen. Like, yes, we need, yeah. we need this. Like we have to acknowledge like where we are culturally. And I'm curious. So I, I was looking at a post that you posted. It was on November 16th. Uh, and it was an article that you shared, uh, I believe it was from Psychology Today, about the decline of emotional intelligence in yep. people. Uh, and, and you had some great commentary in your in your post. But I'm curious, taking it a little bit further, you also, you're with Positivity Project. You've got the Father Capodanos High School. Like you, You've got a good sense of the young people, too, in society. What are you seeing with them in relationships as it relates to our, yeah. this cultural moment that we're living in. Yeah. I, I like, so a couple of things. So sometimes it's great when you come on podcasts, because like sometimes the person interviewing you helps you to codify some of the things that you've been <laughs> thinking about. Right. So, um, but no, that's exactly it. So it's so funny and just, you know, serendipitous or fate or divine intervention that, you know, you're like, you're talking about that book. I literally started reading it two nights ago. It was actually given to me by here. Here want to build on some more uh, interesting given to me by a 16 year old. Um, no way. Wow. That I, uh, that, you know, from, from Nashville, Tennessee, who I've done some leadership and resilience work with. So you're, you're absolutely right. I do a lot of work with teenagers, um, between I teach the character leadership and resilience, uh, seminar every Wednesday for father Capadano high school here, 21 students, um, the ages, you know, 14, 15, and 16. I do work in the summers around some leadership 
uh, in resilience camps, um, you know, for here at my farm for, you know, from, for, for example, uh, this uh, young woman that I'm talking about, her and her friends. Mm. Um, uh, so I do that. I'm doing that again this summer and those are kind of growing and I've got very limited bandwidth to be able to do them. Uh, but, you know, I've taught at West Point. So I've taught 19 year olds, you know, football, army football players. Um, and then, you know, I just, I interact with, you know, obviously my own kids that are not of that age yet, but, you know, a fair amount, mm-hmm. um, you know, through the positivity project. And so, you know, some of the, the work that we've done to support, uh, you know, high schools and we do, you know, a lot of our partner schools are middle schools and high schools. So there's all these different intersections where my mind has been for the past really five, six years about thinking through what is the implication of this positive psychology research about how important relationships are on the future. You know, and, and what I find is that uh, this won't be, I don't think, too surprising, but what I find is that there is a very strong craving for meaningful, authentic connection and friendship, yet people don't have, young, young people don't have, just like a lot of older people, right, don't have the discipline to be able to walk away from the noise and, and the allure and the attraction of social media. Mm. Uh, and sometimes it's like not wanting to feel left out because while everyone else is on social media, everyone else has a phone at age 16 or 17. So I need to as well. The problem is for a lot of people, it's, it's not a, it's not something they have in moderation. It's either, it's like either it's on the light switch, it's on or it's off. You either don't have it, right. Or you do, and you spend hours and hours and hours of your day and not just your, your time, but your, that then shapes how you think, even when you're not on it. I wonder if someone's saying this about me right now. I wonder if this is going on, right? And so there's this tension between people do have a craving for the authentic. Uh, and I find this because when people come to my resilience camps for two and a half days, there's like basically no cell phones. And like people walk away and be like, that was, was, this is the best couple of days of my year. You know, <laughs> at, at, at Capadano, Father Capadano High School, we've got a no cell phone policy, you know, like where when kids come in the day, they can bring their cell phone, it goes into a cubby, right? They can, you know, they pick it up at the end of the day. Um, you know, so we very much like practice what we preach on the idea of limiting distractions, you know, via almost all of it is via the cell phone. If you're doing work, it can certainly be your, your laptop or your computer, but it's mostly cell phones because they're not really phones, right? They're, they're, they're computers, you know, powerful computers and, you know, with, with photos and camera and distractions at your fingertips. So anyways, my point is mm. that, you know, there, there is like definitely a craving for meaningful connections and relationships, but most people... They do not have the, the self-discipline to be able to do things in moderation. And so they know what they want. They want those more meaningful in real life experiences with each other, yet they struggle to get it when they're living more, you know, in this, this other world, which is, you know, dominant by social media, dominated by social media and, and virtual communication. Man, that is profound. It really is. I mean, just this, that, that, that tension between, I desperately want this, but I don't quite know how to do it. Uh, and, and you point out in your book, and it's, it's been pointed out in other books that certainly there have, we are one of the first few generations that are experiencing this new life. This is a new mm-hmm. thing. It's still very new. We, we are, we are the first few generations to be able to stand in a line and not be bored to not, not, you know, you can look at your phone. You can always eliminate that boredom, that solitude, a conversation with that thing that's attached and Cal, to you. Can li- and totally, and just building on that, and you can l- eliminate connection. I tell people all the time, mm-hmm. just because you're in the same geographical space, you're in the same car going somewhere. If you're on in, under the same roof, if you're on the same couch, if you're at the same dinner table, my wife went and I, we went out to Drum and Quill last night in Pinehurst for dinner, right? Like 
no cell phones. You know, I mean, like, yeah. but if you bring it with you, you invite distractions and disruptions from not just the ability to like just think, right? First mm -hmm. book, but really now to, to meaningfully connect. And mm -hmm. Simon Sinek talks about this a lot, mm -hmm. right? That the, the, there's research that shows even having your phone face down on the table erodes the feeling of connection and trust by 40%. Now, if it's face up and like, and you know, you're getting distracted by it, you might as well not go out to dinner for the sake of connecting. You might as well just like, just acknowledge we're going out here to eat. Right. And like, this is super uncomfortable for people to hear, but this is a kind of a, a big poke in, in people's mm -hmm. eye of like, you're going out for dinner. Like you have to have a plan to actually connect and not allow your phone to get in, to get in the way of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can, it, this is personal to, mm -hmm. I think all of us, because we all have phones unless, unless maybe yeah. you're, maybe you're one of the, maybe they're one of the wise people that don't yeah. have a phone What well, that might be, a, but we, we all are trying to figure out how to navigate this. And, uh, you know, I, I can say I have gone from when I read digital minimalism, I eliminated all my apps, only did social media on my laptop. And then slowly I crept back and then I deleted all my apps yep. and slowly crept back. And now yep. I've got like, I'll, I just, I think I've gotten so like, like my soul has just kind of been like crying out like, Cal, this is not good for you. And yep. if, for me, it's not, I mean, certainly there's the comparison part of it, but it just feels like there's something better I could be doing with my time. Like I could be connecting. I could be reading a book. I could be praying. I could be yeah. reading the Bible. I could be connecting with my daughter. I could be going and doing something with my hand. It's just like, the more I read about it, think about it. It's just like it, it but then there's still that struggle. Like I yeah. there's so many people that are on there too. It's yeah. like, well, I need to know what's going on or I need to. So I'm, where do you see this going, Mike? Like, where do you, where do you, I mean, obviously there's always that temptation to want to navigate yeah. immediately to the practical, like, oh, we'll just delete the apps. But I'm just curious, like from a critique of society, like where do you see this going? And what are some yeah. things that leaders ought to be doing uh, in this moment that we're all trying That's to navigate? Question. Yeah. So this is, I'm putting on my, uh, my army uh, Intel officer hat here, right. <laughs> of like doing, yes. I remember now, now Lieutenant General Jim Rainey, uh, the army G3, my, my old battalion commander, always very big on this. Like, Erwin, don't tell me what the enemy's done. Like I know what the enemy's <laughs> done. What, what are they going to do? You mm -hmm. know, Pre you know, predictive analysis. That's, that was my job as, as an army uh, Intel officer. So, uh, so I, I think a lot in terms of predictively because of that, because of my default setting from my training in the army was, you know, Hey, be predictive in your analysis. You're going to be wrong sometimes, but be predictive. Have a mindset of what's coming, because um, if you don't start thinking about it until it's it's in front of you, it's too late, right? Like you've already kind of missed the boat. Um, so I think that you know this goes back to my point about the metaverse. I, I really think that we are at this new intersection. So if you kind of go back 10, 11, 12 years ago, right, when there was a BlackBerry, but Wi-Fi was barely a thing, it was super expensive, and, and we were at this moment of saying like, okay. Uh, hey, over the next 10 years, if you could, if you could have told people this, I don't think that nine out of 10 people would have, would have even come close to believing you that, hey, in 10 years from now, you're going to have essentially a computer. You can access your bank account. It's going to be your GPS device. It's going to be your camera, your video recorder, all these things. And oh, by the way, you're going to be hyper-connected at any point, right? Via cell phone towers or Wi-Fi to be able to, to communicate and to push all this information. I don't think that most people would have would have believed you. Um, now, as it slowly made progress, I could you could start to see, okay, this maybe is the future and where it's headed. I feel like we're at this new inflection point, you know, around like all this conversation of the metaverse uh, and and around 
you know, what we've seen accelerated in, you know, since March of 2020, which has been a, the world was already moving towards a very robust, you know, digital, virtual, you know, remote work environment. That that, that shift had already sailed, right? Like, you know, whatever it was, seven, eight years ago. <laughs> but uh, COVID has really accelerated it. And the question becomes like, do people, do people as leaders, do people as organizations come back from it, you know, and, uh, or do they kind of like say, Hey, no, per- we're permanently all virtual. We're all remote. No, I'm going to be living my life primarily virtually. I'm going to shop all the time on Amazon or online. I'm never going to the store again. I'm going to order my food, you know, a grocery store and have it be like, right. There's all these ways that technology is being built to allow you to essentially engineer the in real life, the in-person human interaction out of life. Right. And uh, it's being built, and a lot of people kind of buy hook, line, and sinker the concept that this is better for you, that I'm more efficient, I'm getting more stuff mm-hmm. done. This goes back mm-hmm. to my point, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the outset of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's uh, a, a dangerous position to take, you know. So, going back to your question of like, you know, what do I think is the future? How, you know, how does this end? I, I don't think it's a binary choice, either metaverse or, you know, not, and, and therefore like more in real life world. But I do think that, um, you know, that there's going to be like decisions, forks in the roads that people come to that they need to make decisions on. Am I going to, you know, buy the VR headset? And I'm talking probably three, four, five years from now, right? When they start becoming all the rage and mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and that's what people are doing. They're sitting around, you know, watching mm-hmm. it and, and Hey, you're at your house. I'm at my house, but we're, we're hanging out together. Right. Like it's already happening with Fortnite and lots of these mm-hmm. video games. Um, people have got decisions to make, I think in, in these forks in the road um, and how they make those decisions are going to impact and, and have a huge impact on, on the outcome of their life. You know? So for me, it's not, again, it's not a binary choice, one or the other, but I'm leaning in and I'm looking at a ratio of, I want to be, you know, as much, in real life, you know, is possible and then use digital to improve my, in my, my life and my in real life experience. Um, but there's a lot of people I think that will, will buy much like, you know, uh, on the gaming front and on, on the, the social media front and on the smartphone front who just like, they're, they're the people waiting in line to get the next new phone. Cause it's got a couple new features. Uh, I, I think you're going to have a lot of people like going down that road of the metaverse. Cause a lot of them have already like marched in that direction. And I'm not judging. I'm mm-hmm. saying like, I think that we have choices to make and like, I'm, I'm, I'm erring more on the side of three out of four decisions. I want to go the low, the road less traveled, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, Versus and, the one that everyone's telling me I should be taking. Yeah. And I think that's really important for all of us to think in advance. How are we going to react to this? How are, what choices are we going to make? What are, what principles are going to guide us one of the points that Cal Newport makes, I can't remember if it's deep work or digital minimalism, maybe both, is that a lot of us just adopted social media without really appreciating what it was going to do. It was just like, hey, this seems like a benefit. And then later we realize, oh, wow, but I didn't realize going to uh, that quote about, I didn't realize how much of life I was giving up for this mm-hmm. seemingly small benefit. I like to say I kind of have a, a like-hate relationship with social media. Like I like it. I don't love it. I like it. But yeah. I definitely hate what it does to me, yeah. um, and so I, I. So I think we've okay. We've we've spent some time on that, and I I would I do want to get into the building of relationships. But I do think as leaders, we need to acknowledge where we sit culturally, what what some of these external and internal factors are 
that are affecting us. I feel them, no doubt. Like I'm had, I'm notorious for someone walking yeah. into my office. I'm sitting on my computer. I'm checking. I'm literally in the middle of something. Someone will walk in, and I struggle to like step away and face them. And I've got some great team members who have been willing to critique me on that and say, "Sir, like I." Yeah. Sometimes you just like, I wish you were more present when, when I yeah. walked in, I'm like, Hey, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but I want to get at building relationships because you are really good at this. Uh, I see, I mean, you look at some of the threads throughout your life with obviously your time in the military, but then team red, white, and blue, the positivity project. And it's interesting. I, I was just mentioning to you that I interviewed Bob McDonald a week or so ago, mm-hmm. and he brought you up. And so many people yeah. that I know have interviewed, they, they know you, they're connected with you, you build relationships. And it's not just a networking thing, but I feel like you have this ability, you figured out, going back to what you mentioned with the, the teen, they want it, but maybe they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, and, and I think maybe let's talk about this through the context of, of Team Red, White, and Blue. And you talk about that in your book with coalition building. Walk us through how you, some of the ways in which you think about relationship building. And also, Mike, just as a kind of another little lead in, you're a busy guy. Like you've got a lot of demands on your plate. Every time you say yes to someone, you're saying no to something else. Like right now, I really appreciate that you've invested this time with us, but I'm just curious how you think about relationships and how that's played into what you've been able to build over time, especially with Team Red, White, and Blue, which you talk about in the book with coalition building. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'd start out by saying so it was actually one of the most insightful th- you know, things that Bob said in his interview. Uh, I think is, is of the, everything he said in the book was one of these comments from Bob. Um, I mean, he gave us a lot of good insight, but he talked about the idea that when, when relationship building, it doesn't feel like you're quote unquote doing work. Right. Yes. Uh, and it, mm. you know, and it's like, it's so, it, so investing in relationships is a strategic long run play. Long, it's, it's a long run game plan right in in life first of all in the short term we know the dopamine and the fulfillment so the the short-term benefit is there like you feel good when you just had a coffee or a meal with someone or a good conversation i heard from someone last night just being like hey i just had a conversation with someone from team red blue it was the best conversation i've had all like in the past six months or the past year like it just felt good to be in meaningful dialogue grabbing a beer with another veteran is who's a part of team red white and blue you know, so I think that there, there's that reality that Bob points out that, you know, very often people, you know, uh, have been pushed in the world in the direction of transactional, like, well, hey, uh, what, what did you do for me lately? Right. And, and that's not that's not how you want to operate. But there's the short term benefit of it feels good to have meaningful interactions with people. Then there's the long term value and benefit. Um, right. When you invest in people and you build relationships with people. Um, that they want to help you be successful. They want to help you accomplish what you're doing. Now, maybe if I was like trying to do something nefarious, um, which I would, ne- I would never do, but like certainly no one's going to want to help me there. I think a lot of the reasons why lots of my relationships have flourished over the years, and, and by the way, to be very clear, like, like everyone, I've got lots of relationship friction and lots of relationships right, that, that have not gone well. That, that's just part of life. Um, but like long-term, I, I do think that there's... Um, you know, a lot of people want to help you be successful, you know, um, and help you succeed when you're doing good things, when you're working to try to improve veterans' lives or, or help kids to build positive relationships or building a school that serves, you know, high school students, you know, that ties in the Catholic faith. So um, when you're doing things that are meaningful and that really work to make a difference in people's lives, I think you get a lot of people who are willing to, to grab an oar and help you out. But at the end of the day, the relationship building um, aspect of it comes with this this idea and this understanding that um, over time, 
like this is this is the magic of life. And, uh, and and so you might not feel like this is the best use of your time right now, right? To jump on a call with so and so, or to you know, to do a podcast with someone because someone asked me because you know I get like I know you, right? This is this is an easy yes on podcasts. I, I also get lots of asks from people, right? You know, to be on a podcast that I don't know, I've never met them, but they know somebody that I know. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The kind of thing. So, um, and so that's where I think we you know we do have to be very intentional with how we spend our time. Again, going back to where we spend our time. If you do say yes to too many things, you're going to have less of it for for you know for other things and for other people, um, you know. And, and I just think the biggest thing for me that keeps coming back to the relationship building aspect of life is that when you look at the research, it's super clear. It's it's the number one thing you can do to invest in your overall well being. Mm. You know, it's like even like again, a strong faith matters, a healthy diet, getting enough sleep. There's lots of things we can do to help our overall. You know, you know, state of well-being, but our relationships, our connections with other human beings, really, in many ways, is you could argue, is what we're here for. You know, and and that takes it to a spiritual level, that takes it to an emotional level, um, and that brings it back full circle to your point about, um, you know, in this moment of time that we're that we're in, uh, I think most people like do they do struggle with that? They're so busy that they're too busy to engage meaningfully in the relationships and. And that's what we're trying to call attention to. That if you're in a leadership role, that's part of a, a very big part of your responsibility and your obligation as a leader. I love this idea of that being an investment because it doesn't seem, you're right, 100% Bob McDonald, that it doesn't seem productive. It's like, it, isn't that interesting that so many of the things in life that are most probably useful to becoming healthy don't seem super productive. Like even, even solitude, like that doesn't seem very productive. Like you're just, Same thing. You, if you walked into someone's office who was in solitude or just sit, they're just sitting there, maybe thinking, mm-hmm. uh, and, and same with relationships. And that's something I, I think probably all leaders feel that tension of the tasks that I've got to do, got to do these tasks, got to get this done, got to move the cool. ball forward, got to get this knocked out, got, got my calendar to manage. And then there's, the slowness often the the being present that is required for meaningful relationship building. And I think we already kind of talked a little bit about that tension. I want to ask you about Jim Collins. Uh, We've had some good conversations. I've I've always been really interested by your relationship with Jim Collins because Jim Collins, on, on the one hand, it seems to me, you would know better than I, that he's very selective about the way he spends his time. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Uh, yep. And that's probably the why one of the reasons he is he he's able to write these amazing books and make such a contribution. But tell us a little bit about how that relationship formed, and what that has meant to you over time. Absolutely, and this gets into you know one of the things I remember Jim Collins talking about. So brief background: he was the West Point's class of 1951 chair for the study of leadership. I was essentially assigned to be his general's aide, help plan the events, and essentially just interface with him and his team to ensure a, a smooth, um, you know, two-year, essentially, uh, I wouldn't call it a fellowship, but it was like, you know, he was, you know, in this chair role. Um, and so, you know, I got to know him through that and, and got a lot of up close in-person, you know, one-on-one interaction. We would have breakfast together. We would have some phone calls together. You know, he talked a lot about having a personal board of advisors or a personal board of directors and like the need to have people in your life that they're not necessarily people that you have like these ongoing back and forth, back and forth, you know, conversations and relationships with, but really people who you can kind of look to in your life, 
you know, and, and when you really need it and you're in a pinch or you need some advice or you need someone to kind of like come through for you, that they come through for you. Um, so he talked about relationships, you know, in, in a slightly different way than I did, but I'll remember like he evolved some of his thinking, even at West Point about his thought around the idea of being of service and of being of value. And he told this powerful story of his wife, who was the 1985 Ironman uh, world champion and, and, and his wife basically saying, and then she coached, like, I believe cross country at like Boulder high school. And uh, he commented on it. his wife basically felt more satisfaction and more happiness and joy from coaching and watching other girls win a state championship than she did winning the world championship herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to Tim Hasselback about this the other day. You know, top moments in your football life. You know, he's like, yeah, it wasn't Boston College going into Notre Dame and upsetting them at Notre Dame or this or, you know, he played eight years in the pros, I believe. He goes, it was like coaching like my kids and seeing them like win the league championship, right? There's something powerful about, uh, we think that the magic of life is, is like accomplishing ourselves, but when we actually help other people accomplish things, like the sense of fulfillment is often greater, if not sometimes significantly greater than when we accomplish or achieve something ourselves. And so I think that's a really important concept that I really like took away from my interactions with Jim. You know, we've stayed in touch, you know, uh, ever since that ended in 2013. So it's been eight years um, since that's happened. I sent him a video message about a minute long on Thanksgiving, just, you know, let him know I was thinking of him and, and especially in, in this time of being grateful for the impact that he made on me and, and specifically on team red, white, and blue and how I thought about leadership and, uh, and how we as an organization functioned. And, you know, he just wrote back, you know, a couple hours later and, you know, and, and he's not a big texter, but he wrote back and I said, Hey, you know, Colonel Irwin, he calls me, he still calls me, he used to call me major Mike, you know, um, <laughs> major Mike. Um, but you know, and, and really just talked about like, you know, Hey, how much like the value of the experience and that it was awesome working and imparting knowledge and leadership wisdom on, on, <laughs> on cadets, but how much he loved, just getting to know me and spending time with and interacting with me. And even though I haven't seen him in person in like five, six years, you know, that, that relationship is still there. And, and it, to me, that just really highlighted the fact that yes, there is like one side of relationship building is this really intense. You see people a lot in person, they live under your roof or you see them every day or every week at work or, you know, in your community or at the coffee shop. But then there's these other relationships in life where, um, they're also still important to your well-being. People that you've done life with in the past, because those are two big years for me, but also for him. I mean, he's done a lot of stuff in his life. Those are two big years. And I think it's important to realize that like, there's, a, there's always a tension there like, of when people move away or the people that were your best friends when you're at an army post and then they move away. How do you think through like, to make, again, make technology work for you to maintain that relationship? Because um, you never know when you might come back together and create something together or work on a project together or, you know, like be neighbors once again, like all that kind of stuff. And there is so much power, I think, you know, in that idea between strong, immediate relationships and then ones that you've formed that you still want to give energy to and to maintain. Didn't he help team RWB at the beginning? Did, didn't you guys do some type of uh, leadership experience with yeah, him out in Boulder. Out in Colorado? Yeah, he- he did. He hosted us out there. He, our entire staff out there. I believe this is summer of 2015 or 16. Yeah, absolutely. He did a whole big session with us, you know, pro bono. Yeah. One, he says no to lots of people who want to pay him a lot of money to do it. Yeah. Right. But then to do it um, in the summer uh, and then to do it, at no, you know, obviously, you know, at no cost, you know, to us was just simply phenomenal. Wow. 
I love that. And and what would you say is probably the biggest takeaway from that experience? I would imagine a lot of clarity. Yeah, we. I mean, geez, we we as a team came together, you know, and and you guys had a chance to talk about leadership. But literally, this is how this is how intense this man is. Um, he took um, no bathroom breaks and he drank two sips of water in six and a half hours straight. He didn't even think about lunch. Everyone like it was like kind of like looking around the room. It was like noon being like, all right, we're going to break for lunch. We're going to end. And we finished at like 2.15. <laughs> like we just, because it was supposed to be done by noon, but we just kept powering through because we had a lot of amazing energy in the room and things going on. Um, so one, just a, a commitment to the mission and that when you're in the state of flow, time flies, you know, that was one mm -hmm. big thing. But for us, from the leadership standpoint, we really talked about the importance of setting big goals, you know, the mm -hmm. BHAG, right? The big, hairy, audacious goals, you know, and thinking in terms of the long term. And this kind of comes back full circle to investing in solitude, investing in relationships. There may not be an immediate ROI or, a, you know, that you see, you know, from something in, you know, that, that just happens now by investing in a relationship or going for a run with someone or talking with someone, but the impact is there you know, and it will be there over time. And I think that is a really important lesson of the 20, you know, his 20 mile March concept and the idea of it's about the consistency and it's about overtime. And that is how relationships are consistently investing in them is something that absolutely without fail will pay dividends to help you be happier, but also more successful over the long run of your life. I've been thinking so much more about that idea of formation and who who are you becoming? What is your organization becoming? Thinking about it on a longer time frame, uh, you know. I think I've been thinking a lot about, and I know you are you're a strong Catholic of just the practices of Jesus, and that's one of the things he talks about uh, in the ruthless elimination of hurry. And a lot of these practices, you think about the life, even if you know Jesus is. I'm not talking about necessarily Jesus in the Savior sense, but just him as a person. Mm -hmm. what he did, how he spent his time, the solitude, the relationship building, and, and just what does it look like? Think about in terms of habits, like who am I becoming? And I think it's, mm -hmm. that's really neat to, to hear that Jim Collins, and I've read some of that in his, his books of just like taking that long-term, what, what is Mike Irwin going to be like at 80? Yeah. What is, what am I going to be like at 80? Like, and, and little, we're, we're really making a vote every day for who we're becoming, or what our organization is is becoming. Yeah, and I think um, just building and building on that though, I think you know, I was literally talking to my wife about this last night. Uh, the reality is, at the same time, we also we don't know. We don't know what yeah. the future holds. You right. know, and you know, the old you, know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. You yeah, know, you just you don't. I mean, I three or four years ago, I never could imagine living on thirty two acres, raising my own Thanksgiving turkeys and chickens. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and you know all the things we do here. Um, you know, so that's the thing is like, you can be absolutely intentional. Mm -hmm. uh, it just reminds me a lot of like plans are worthless. Planning is priceless. So it's, mm -hmm. it's the process, you know, yes. it's the process of thinking long-term, but being open to the deviation from that long-term plan, knowing that, that you don't have it figured out. You might think you do, but you don't, you know, mm -hmm. and that, uh, and having trust. I, I spoke uh, to this uh, nun yesterday. She, uh, sister Mary Agnes up at Catholic university, and she was the president out at Aquinas College in Nashville. And she's like, yeah, three weeks, three months ago, I was over there and things were, had been going good for a real long period of time. And now here I am. I felt called to be able to come to do this. Mm. She's starting this whole new initiative at Catholic University. But it's just the idea of being open you know, to the fact. And I don't think it detracts from the fact that you're intentional and that you mm -hmm. do think of the long term. It's, it's you know, so it's, I guess, like, you know, being fixed on the, you know, the the, the desires and the goals, but like, 
very open to the path at how you get there. And, yes. and I think that we all need that reminder because sometimes we feel like, well, I got it all figured out. I got my five-year plan figured out with where I'm going to be. Because like Mike Irwin at 60, Mike Irwin at 80, I mean, like, I mean, part of me thinks about that. Like, you know, if you're blessed enough to stay healthy and all that, like, yeah, do I want to be the secretary of defense? Do I want to go into politics? Do I want to, you know, become a deacon? Do I, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of, I got an azimuth that I, that I marched down um, and I'm just open to the the prospects and the possibilities of of where it's going to take me. Yeah. And I think that just highlights because there is so much uncertainty, it highlights the importance of who you are becoming. Like, am I becoming like behind me there? Am I becoming more a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Am I becoming more that type of person? And because none of us know exactly where we're going to end up, it just highlights to you, like the, the importance of not being in such a hurry that we miss out on the relationship opportunities totally. to build. Um, and I'll just, I know we've got like one minute left. I, I just want to give a pitch for this book. So in the book, it, it's really cool. You go through accountability, forgiveness, resilience, trust, coalition building, loyalty, stability. Then at the end, you give some very practical uh, ways in which we can start leading with relationships. And you have a lot of wonderful features of people from sports, the military, business, nonprofit sector, some personal stories. So very well done, Mike. Thank it's you. such a great book and I, I highly recommend it. I'll put links in the show notes to the book. Uh, Mike, I'll give you the last word. If there's anything else you want to share with people or anything else you want people to know about you, thanks so much for investing time today in me and this this community. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I appreciate it. It's a great conversation. So much important ground. I feel like on these things, uh, I would have like, I think thrived like in the, in the era of Socrates, right? Just kind of sit, <laughs> sitting around like just <laughs> philosophizing and talking about like the meaning of life and the purpose mm -hmm. of life. And that's where I use that phrase like tech philosophy. I, that would just be my my final push to people is to really not look at you know the path of least resistance to really think through and, and lean into some uncomfortable or challenging thinking around how we're living our life and, and not just now but really towards the future because again i really see some of these things accelerating and picking up and i think that it's especially important you know in the future that that we make sure we have clarity on the decisions that we're making and that we don't end up downstream saying, geez, I made these decisions here about how I was going to live my life. And I wish that I had, had traveled the road less traveled, you know? And so that to me is, is my big push to, to anyone who listens. So, well, Mike, I love you, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for all you're doing. Have a wonderful holidays, you and the family. I hope we can connect in person soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Gail. Appreciate you, it, man. Have a great day. All right. Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate you and your time and giving this podcast and this platform your time. I hope it's added value to you. If it added value to you, please go and share it with someone in your network, a friend, a coworker. Maybe it could help them as well. Maybe they could resonate with what Mike is saying. I think you know Mike is doing a very uh, helpful critique of our society. And, and as we talked about on that conversation, many of us, or none of us, I guess, have ever experienced technology in this way. And we're just not quite sure what it's going to do to us and our relationships. But Mike offers us some wisdom of how to deal with this. Also, I loved just that simple point that he got from Bob McDonald that building relationships does not always feel productive in the moment. That's such a helpful reminder the next time we're tempted to choose a task or something else over that moment that might seem unproductive of building a relationship, but that conversation, that question that you ask and listen to the answer of your coworker, those are really important 
moments that, again, don't feel productive, but over time make our lives. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know what resonated most with you, whether it was the discussion about technology or relationships. Maybe it was something about Jim Collins. Uh, Shoot us a note. Let us know what resonated with you. Also, go get that 12 ways that you're going to be a better leader in 2022. When we give you that, just go to calwalters.me to get that. I hope you go and make the most of this time you have. Go and build those relationships in your life. And just thank you so much for spending your time here today with us. Remember that life is short. Let's go make it count.